Hey there, Beverly Hills 90210 fans. It's now time to dive deep into an episode-by-episode, character-by-character, song-by-song account of the making of your favorite zip code. So sit back and relax because it's like totally time for the Beverly Hills 90210 show. That was our backup intro. Because if Jan- Janet's not here, <laughs> this was, that was our backup intro. Uh, because my other intro was not available, but we're here, and we are on the Beverly Hills 902 and O show. This is the show we are talking about, isn't it? Romantic and slumber party, and we are joined uh, by Jessica Shaw, Entertainment Weekly. Yes, serious. Yes, they're now the- serious. Formerly Entertainment Weekly. Forever 90210 super fan. Oh, thank you. That's great. I'm curious, Jessica, uh, before we get into these episodes, where did the fandom uh, start for you? What was the, what was, um, the, was there an episode? I think it was um, hmm, probably like two, probably episode two. I loved it. And then as I was, um, when I went to college, in between studying medieval literature, I, I did a double major in 90210 and I wrote a <laughs> column with a friend of mine for um, the Columbia Daily Spectator called 90210 Unzipped. And that was life altering. And because everyone was so obsessed with the show, we were like mini celebrities Jessica, on campus. Jessica, yes. Jessica, was this in 1990, 91? Was it the first yes. year? Yes. Oh, wow. You guys were nuts. I knew of you. I I remember somebody telling me the library of Columbia University shuts down when the show is on, that nobody's in it because they're watching the show. And I was rejected from Columbia as an undergraduate (laughs) and a graduate. Uh, Got pleasure in that, of course. But um, yes, you are the OG of the OG. Yeah, it was my, it was my greatest joy, and look at the revenge, Chuck, that you got. Your what you did was way more popular than any core curriculum class. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for that. You know, um, uh, listen, we got a couple things to talk about. First of all, uh, Chuck, Larry, and I, Larry Mullen, and I are putting together this big event. On October 4th, the 30th anniversary of Beverly Hills 90210. We've invited everybody, cast, crew, and uh, we're starting to get some responses. So I can tell you uh, that these two people confirmed. So Carol <laughs> Potter will be joining hey. us. Eck House will be joining us. And they'll be, they'll be in their first hour. They'll be kicking it off. It's three hours. It's a three-hour... There's a lot of masochism going on here, but we're going to have a really, really good time. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's what we promise. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Um, And uh, Larry's been calling it the Super Show. That's his wrestling background. (laughs) Uh, And I thought he was calling it a party. We had to say it was a birthday party. We did have to say that, yes. And it is going to be a party. Um, Also... We have. Uh, the, I'm wearing the the duck shirt this week, but uh, Chuck has a special shirt in the store. <laughs> yeah, I did because my favorite collaborator had a big birthday, and we had a wonderful beach party and invited our closest friends, and they had to get party favors. Of course, the party favors weren't delivered on time, so I got a whole uh, box here of party <laughs> favors, and one of and they look like this. Here's what the t-shirts look like, right? Is this you can see it? Yeah, you can, absolutely. Designed a few lines. 
And apropos of today's show, this one says in the box, he gets to me. He always gets to me. Yeah. I I I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. We did not invite our closest friends to the beach party. We invited two friends. I just want to say this is the era of COVID. We have many close <laughs> friends. Nobody should be insulted. Two friends and <laughs> don't upset the boat. She's yeah. right. She's right. We really, we, we have, uh, you could, yeah. Okay. We won't talk about a Hanukkah party. They're fun too. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. The other thing, too, uh, we're, we're going to jump in this. We invited James to Eckhouse to pop in with us today, but he could not come in here because it's his son's birthday. So we recorded a whole bunch of clips with him, with him over uh, yesterday. So I'm going to play those throughout the episode as we uh, you know, talk about things. We'll uh, clip to something that James said about whether it be Shannon or the reaction to him seeing this episode. We have, we have a whole bunch of really cool stuff. So uh, we're going to clip and play some of those. This will give you a great test for the October 4th show, Chuck, to see how the clips play. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go, let's go to the beginning of this episode of um, uh, the, the, isn't it romantic? Um, I'm just curious to know, and we've talked a little bit about this before the pairing of Brenda and Dylan. Um, when, when was that, brought to the table was that when dylan be became a character right because he was a, a late addition so when did the idea to pair them together even come up um well you, you have to realize um it, it came up in context of doing this episode and and one of the things uh we're, we're doing we're celebrating two episodes from season one right uh number nine is the romantic and number 12 slumber party and they were very important, not only to the show, but the actors in the show. And it, part of what is because, as Jessica would know, we we were very um, low rated is the word. And you really didn't know what, you know, the future was, was going to be and what was going to, what could we put together to attract a, a bigger audience? And in terms of Isn't It Romantic, um, being the ninth episode, what we had done is the first six episodes, just for the super fans who know this kind of stuff, the first six episodes, really, we got uh, approved in, in a, on a fluke and a, and a mistake, and we produced all of those, including things like um, uh, the one you talk about with the shoplifting, including the one uh, that Darren did the first time and, and Perfect Mom. They were out of the way. And we did a transitional episode. We changed producers. We, we've already done the general art of listening when Dan Adius was here. And so we, uh, that, and that came in tandem with, isn't it romantic? And after the seventh episode, we were called into the network because we had submitted a whole bunch of shows and they didn't like any of the, any of them because they never liked pretty much what we did anytime. So we came into the meeting and fortunately Aaron Spelling was there and Aaron wasn't, as I think Jessica um, Klein has said on this, these shows, you know, Aaron did not go for confrontation. That was just, he didn't have to have it. He didn't want it. So, um, but in this one, he did speak up and said, you know, I do like that episode that has AIDS in it. And that was the approval to have Karen start writing it. Of course, how my, you and know, that, Karen had no... 
we should mention that that was the um, that was the, uh, the the B story, but that is how it got sold because the A story, from our point of view, was the romance a, a budding romance between uh, Brenda and Dylan, getting them together, which they really did get together in this episode, yeah. and and he being. Um, you know, a sexually mature teenage boy who had, you know, been sexually active already and her not. And so there's that. And then in the context of the era we were living in, which was the era of AIDS, um, being a death sentence, et cetera, this was a really timely thing. And Aaron had done... Uh, was in production. On the band Played On, he had uh, a TV movie about the AIDS uh, crisis. And... That was one of his better, you know, like a quality program that he did. And um, and he was very proud of it because, you know, he got substantial accolades for it. It was well done. It's an Emmy, HBO and an Emmy. So, so, you know, he did have a social conscience, et cetera. He wasn't just only thinking of soap, but he he had a he had some interest in doing that. So that that was like the OK to go ahead and do it. And I want to just say that when when the show started, mm-hmm. I had been. Uh, working, I had been trying to launch my writing career after uh, doing some other things. And I had, I had been a, a writer and actor before, but after I had my two daughters, um, I was now actively trying to, you know, uh, be a writer. And when Chuck got on the show, we said, oh, good. Now I'll come right on the show for him. And people didn't really love that idea so much. Oh, well, what's her credits? You know, I was a playwright, basically, and I had been on to UCLA theater department and the master's program in playwriting, but that didn't mean that I was a veteran TV writer like Chuck was, except we had collaborated before, and so he knew he knew how I could write. And, and, I, and also to point out that Aaron Spelling really appreciated that Karen coming on to it, because as I've said before on this, and anyone who asked me, one of the great things that he and I had in common was we both believed in nepotism. Trump has given nepotism a bad name, but it's good to be around the people you love and yeah. if, if that makes sense in family sometimes that. I do love that Aaron fought for this storyline with, you know, having this this speaker at high school who has AIDS. How much pushback was there? Because at that time it was like, I mean, remember, you couldn't have like I mean, so many things were verboten, and especially at an eight o'clock show. Yeah. Right, right. And this was actually uh, based on a true story. That that plot was based on something I read in People magazine, and it was a young woman who had gotten AIDS on her first sexual experience. It was a one nighter, and uh, and she, you know, went around to preach to explain what had happened to her to give the word to young people and. She ultimately did die from AIDS, but she was very heroic and it was very brave of her to go out and, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like normal people just went and said, yeah, I had sex and I wasn't married. I mean, people didn't, you know, just a normal person that wasn't a celeb and wasn't anything else. She just was trying to live her life and she was now had to become an activist too. And that's how she lived out her life. And it was at the time she had not died, I don't think, but she it wasn't people, so it wasn't like it was unheard of, but it was now dramatizing that and showing how it, you know, the the trick was getting it into our, our show and still have it work. 
Was there pushback from the network on that? Doing that story? No, once we, there was pushback from our writing staff. Uh, once the network was on to it, they, they were, they understood Mr. Spelling wanted it. And, uh, you know, we, we had so many battles coming up that, that if there was any dissonance, this was a, a blip on the screen. I think they got intrigued. Um, certainly, there weren't uh, a lot of no air. Was very happy with the early draft. I don't think the script changed that much from the, and most of the scripts, Jessica, that we would do from the show wouldn't change that much from a story outline, which we did in an extensive story outline, so that everybody be on the same page and can't say later, oh, I thought that you meant. No, no, this is what we meant. See, here it is scene by scene and but that really was a blueprint and then the, 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 what we wanted from our writers was that's why karen could do um boy darren star could do uh, anyone that really set it up that you know get into the dialogue you know to elevate it by the scene that you know is is just you know casually described you know the one thing i want to point out about this episode i know you're going to be going to james eckhouse in a moment Yep. Is and and it, and it really struck me, uh, you know, one of the reasons that Aaron probably also was really behind this is that he had made an investment, personal investment, and an emotional investment in Luke Perry. Mm. And here we get to episode nine, and Luke Perry, with the exception of the first time when he played as a foil to Brandon with his first girlfriend. This was Luke's coming out party, too. It wasn't just Dylan with Brenda. It was save Luke Perry's job. Yeah. Because, you know, we were tentative. We, we didn't have that much resources, that much say. And this was the ninth episode. We're getting to the twelfth episode. And, uh, you, and, and Luke's contract was such that it was going to be over at slumber party. Wow. Yeah, we, really had, we had the order for the initial an order was only for 12 episodes. So. 12 episodes was right. the standard. And nine was the back with the single pilot. It was usually how that's how you got to 22 episodes. Whose idea was it to make uh, Luke Perry a Groucho Marx fan? Or to make Dylan McKay a Groucho Marx fan? <laughs> so funny you asked that. Yeah. I know. I don't. I didn't pull that clip. That was one of the clips I didn't pull from Jane. But it is an interesting story. All right, it's an interesting footnote. I think it was I Chuck's. Thought... I think it was Chuck's idea, and that, as I said to Jim Eckhaus yesterday, Chuck grew up next door to Groucho Marx. So, and his father played cards with Harpo at Hillcrest Country Club. So they they did know them, and he was familiar with them. And you know, it was a classic "How could you go wrong?" kind of thing. Um, but. Uh, one of the highlights of my life in college was getting to really, as someone who had now seen all the movies and realized that I would live next door to the great Groucho, my dad uh, used to get presents for the holidays because uh, he's, he's a popular pediatrician. He got a box of cigars. He told me, take it up to Groucho. Groucho still smokes. So I, we, we set it up for me to do it. And I got Groucho to laugh. <laughs> and without trying, really. And that uh, was a big coup because uh, they don't laugh at anybody. My college roommate at the time, uh, I know this because he spent 20 embarrassing minutes trying to get him to laugh. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but I got him on one line. So that's the highlight. So what was the line? It was, he would say, he's saying, well, you guys are much too smart for me. Oh, no, that's what was his punch. I said, well, he was making about language. And I said, well, Groucho, 
if it's far out for you, it's groovy for me. <laughs> so, so the purpose of this uh, putting Dylan and Brenda together was for the one Luke, you know Luke's job, and uh, for just specifically this episode, right? Because back in this season, we weren't writing; uh, it wasn't really serialized. It was these episodes were you know the episode of the week, but you had to know like, well, we need them to be together every week. Right. Or something, you know, a follow up. Yeah, it would definitely one episode would definitely influence the next. You know what happened. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, you know, this 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 stuff right here, like the way he looks and these uh, initial scenes yeah. and all these things. I mean, these are iconic sort of how you fall in love with uh, with Dylan. Uh, Karen, you wrote this. It's it's stellar. It's incredible. I think people still oh. talk about it. When we posted the the promo for for it, everybody got so excited because I think it. You know, I know we talked about the previous other episodes, but I think this is the the one that really puts the show sort of in your in your in your uh, face. It's the breakout maybe of the show as well. So, do you remember sort of writing some of those things? Uh, you know, oh, Dylan yeah. coming under the uh, from underneath the car and all that stuff. What what are you? What are your thoughts on some of those things? Well, you know, I I probably we I'm sure that Chuck was very very involved with the story and the structure of that, and because um, he's great at that, and that was his job then also, and so. Um, so once the structure was, okay, we'll be, this will be act one, this will be this. And then it was integrating the two storylines of the, the speaker coming to school and then trying to sort of service the other, you know, there's eight or however many, by that point, with, if you counted uh, David and Scott, you know, how many of the main uh, kids were, you know, touch on all of them in the, by the way, this was a good one for Steve too, for, for yeah. Ryan's character um, to put him in that role. And when I watched it again recently, I uh, was reminded of the reaction of all of the kids in the assembly when the speaker tells her story and their faces were so serious and so like, whoa. And like you could hear a pin drop and, um, it, it that wasn't what I had concentrated on so much, but ha that really was very, very effective. You know, we were trying to get the scenes with Stephen and her to not be too corny or too silly that he's that he's coming on to her and pretending to be the teacher, et cetera. But I do remember I do remember very well that how it came to me that Dylan should have this problem with his dad and get upset and there should be, you know, some moments of upset. It was just sort of an inspiration. It wasn't really um, programmed like that. Let's show Dylan's back problems, you know, but that was a, just a great way to launch them, you know, out of, a, you know, something else. And, and, and uh, they both were so excited to do it, both, both Luke and Shannon, they were, they were just bubbling over with like, oh, and here's what I think I should wear and here's how it should be. And they were like, you know, it was, so that was really fun. It was very, it was fun to write. It was fun to watch it get mad. I remember watching it being shot too. Nancy yeah, yeah. was the director. She was a, a, a veteran, you know, she was a pioneering woman director in television. I think she was a co-founder of uh, women in film, wasn't she? I believe so. she was, she was uh, and she was very close to the spelling company. So when we gave them a, a, a show like this, they wanted to have, given the sexuality of it, they wanted to have a woman director. 
and uh, and they had the prior relationship, and she was great. Um, she was great, and never, I was nine months pregnant, by the way, or eight. I was out to here. You were so that. pregnant. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Karen, it's interesting though. You you write it on paper, right? That uh, Dylan comes out from underneath the car, but then when you see it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. What are your thoughts from paper to the visual of Luke Perry actually doing it? Well, I loved how they got into it. I loved how he got into it. It was so. It was really fun filming all those sort of beginning scenes with them, seen in the bathroom. I actually just had a flash on watching it with the cast. We watched it together with the cast for some reason when it was on. And um, excuse me. We won the award. Uh, you know, well, it was with Jessica. It was the start of the, um, wasn't the start. Maybe they'd been doing it for about four years. Remember they would have the TV festivals, uh, you know, before it got so institutionalized with this and they'd have it at the old County Art Museum. Yeah, and this was the episode that we showed. Well, I think. Oh right, what what you mean the Museum of Broadcasting? No, with that County LA Art. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was remembering watching it privately with the cast, like maybe at Darren's or something. I can't remember it now, but it was. Oh. I remember the cast laughing because there's a scene where, just to tangentially, she where. Dylan takes a shower in the kids' mutual bathroom, and she right. goes, and goes, Dylan, come on. I mean, she goes, Brandon, can't you close the door? It's so hot. And he he opens the door, right? Exactly. Good job, Peter. You got it. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she looks at him, and she goes, um, <clears throat> and she's like, she her eyes go down and up again during the course of the conversation, and the cast wants rolling over laughing. Shannon, way to go! There was hysterical. I do remember that. She did, that. She yeah, did the look up and down, yeah. and I also remember the water was freezing, freezing cold. Luke was very much complaining on the set. It was ice cold water in that shower. If they ever had to do a shower scene, not cold. But I remember a couple of things where I was thinking, oh. You know, it was since it was my first episode. Uh, it was um, a learning experience for me to like. You know, you have to let some things go that you imagined as a writer, and mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but I think that they dressed Shannon in a very sort of sexy top in the beginning, and we were like, "What is she wearing?" And it was like a little too Beverly Hills already. You know, she mm -hmm. still needed to be the girl next door, little innocent. So they went with this crew neck t-shirt that was sort of really nothing. It was like a box. So it was like, it could have been in the middle between maybe. Right. We, yes. we changed costume designers after the first book. Right, that's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. Well, here's uh, what Karen, James, I remember. Go ahead. I was going to say, here's what James Eckhouse had to say about his reaction uh, to seeing the show. James, you haven't probably watched this episode in quite a number of years. Uh, what were some of your initial takes uh, re-watching this? Um, yeah, I, I try to watch it like like two or three times a year. I try to watch all the, the episodes. Um, my, I, I got to say that writer, whoever she was, who wrote that episode, knew what she was doing. Um, it it because it's really, I got to say, guys, that those years, those two years, where we really we you were able to um, you know really make it about something. You know, I mean, it's. It was very unique because you don't see, I forgot all, you know, I completely forgot about the AIDS. I, I, and I mean, you know, I remember when it was there, but I, it was, com so I was, you know, kneecapped as everybody is when they're in the, in the audience. Yeah. So kneecapped by the, the AIDS storyline. Um, there's also great use of dirty dancing music in this episode. <laughs> 
It feels like Dirty Dancing in a way, this thing, in some in some way. That was also, that was a point. I remember one of the writers on the show saying that we were being too retro using Dirty Dancing and not Pretty Woman, which was Beverly Hills after all. And I had to say, and I don't mean to offend anybody with this, I like Dirty Dancing so much more than Pretty Woman. And, and that movie <laughs> meant something to me when I saw it. So we were doing that. And I think had a more of a bond with Karen as well, being a New Yorker. So we were going. But that's just a great example of the uh, the 30 years that have passed. You know, that was going to the video store to rent the movie. You had to walk there and pick it up, you know, and find it. And sometimes they were out if they only had the two, three copies, you know, nothing right, right. on demand. And, so, and you know, it, I like seeing those little uh, blasts from the past because it really was a long time well, ago. When you think about the parallels, even with Baby and Brenda, like they were both these kind of innocents who had this more established, confident, tank top wearing high guy. Who, it's true. Who taught them certain things. I was Something. always caring in awe of, of yep. yeah, yeah. I was amazed at how you were able to, like in, I imagine you in like a lab, just coming up with Serendipity. <laughs> yeah, he's just figuring out who Dylan was. He's a guy who can fix a car. He can okay. joke around with your dad. He can yeah. quote the Marx Brothers. Like he somehow managed to balance that world of being like so sexy and like just you know like street smart, but also cerebral and intelligent. And then yeah. also the disapproving father, which you know is not unique to Dirty Dancing, but yeah, you're right. That was serendipitous, I have to be honest with you, <laughs> that those, those parallels are made, but good good spotting that. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, uh, you know, this is the first, we talked a little bit about this yesterday with James, I don't have this one, but uh, Jack McKay being a criminal, this is something that's from your life. You knew somebody that was similar to Jack McKay, right? I, I Alleged, yes. I, I don't think he ever served time. But he was notorious, and uh, he like, he came to Los Angeles, to the Philippines, to Vancouver, Canada, and came here. I met him in 1966, and I think we talked about this, Lily. You know, that's the one when she had her sweet 16, my my middle school girlfriend, my um, my date at the time. Uh, his father was political and had just run for office and was thinking about doing it again and didn't want her to go to that sweet 16. And so that's where that moment in in uh, in back in the highlight comes from. But yes, yeah, so yeah, so we knew that and I had just seen just coincidentally um uh the, the movie with a oh god, I always talk say anything. And and I really like say anything and and he too was a father who had disappointed uh so I I you know my even though the fathers were different, the pain on the kids would be similar. But yeah. I wanted to say, to answer you also, Peter, what, what you were saying before, asking about uh, things that came in from the structure, you know, I don't remember if the outline, we could probably look it up, if the outline had a scene, the scene with, with Kelly and Brenda, where she's like giving giving her the condom and she says, never rely on the guy. And that was a great scene. And that was a pretty, I think that was a, a scene where, yeah. Well, we took advantage, Karen, I just want to remind you of this. We had a great 
uh, consultant on it. It was the Maple Center in Beverly Hills. It was before we got involved with the Harvard School of Public Health. So, but we had so we had this great resource, and and Maple they, Center being a, psycho a psychological therapy center, and and they thought it was very important to stress condoms are good and you should use them. And as they were not passing them out in school, just that information was public health. Everybody believed in public health then. We were in an AIDS crisis. So <laughs> the information that Karen had is information that was going to be approved. Mm. And so if they weren't, what, what were they going to react to? The spiciness of her dialogue? Oh, it's too spicy to have that conversation happening in, uh, about a condom? Well, that's not really their purview. And uh, and they could also recognize it was good dialogue. I don't believe we, the standards and practices would come in and say something, but it was always just to make it uh, more of us get the scientific message in, you know, the public health ep message in. Karen, yesterday you were mentioning that uh, there were some playground comments about this scene with, um, uh, right? Yes, uh, you know, some this the show was, as Chuck alluded, under the radar for a bit, you know, um, until it sort of got discovered. And then it was the talk on the on the yard when we would go pick up our kids and our kids were in elementary school that went up to sixth grade. And at this point, I think we had a, our eldest was five, you know, six years old at this point. And so uh, we weren't having to deal with any of those issues with our own children, but some of the older parents who even had maybe older kids beyond the elementary school kids who definitely had tuned in and watched it, they were getting pissed off. They were like, why did you put that in there? You know, and, and later on, it became like a positive. It was like, well, it's a show we can watch with our kids and talk about these issues in a way that like we all can enjoy the show, but then kind of opens a door to have a family discussion or a little bit of add knowledge we want to add as parents, et cetera, et cetera. But for that point, um, and before it was a quote unquote hit too, um, you know, it was like, wait a minute, you know, just as it was starting, they were like, I don't know, that's it. why, why? Yeah. And they did. So especially for, for a girl to be owning her, a young woman to be owning her sexuality, which to be like, you know, in many ways just was simply not done. It was one thing yeah. for a guy in high school to have sex. It was another thing for a, a friend to say to her girlfriend, don't you like, here's a condom. I keep them too. And that was groundbreaking. Right. Yeah. And then also, you know, we had, when we had James uh, yesterday, he mentioned, you know, the double standard, even in how uh, Jim Walsh sort of reacts right. to, right. Uh, you know, Brandon having sex earlier on versus, uh, you know, the conversations with Brenda. Here is the clip of uh, James talking about the double standard. J James, when you get uh, the, I'm sure it's tough to remember all these years later, but when you get this, this script that Karen wrote, do you remember having any kind of thoughts about how well written it was or anything along those lines? Yeah, that's my question too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I knew right away. It was Emmy award winning uh, script. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I I, re I do remember the script, and I remember it being very poignant. And you know, you you it's I mean, come on, I'm an actor, right? You look at the script, and it goes like this: me, 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 other people's lines, other people's lines, me, 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 other people's lines, other people's lines, me, me. me. So, um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Come on, we all do that. No, I was I, I say that with great affection because I was. I remember looking forward to those scenes. You know, I mean, 
how often do I get to to have a a, a nice juicy scene? And I, I really enjoyed both with Dylan and and with uh, Shannon that scene. You know, of not mistrusting her, and um, it was nice every once in a while to have the camera, you know, left on you at the end of the scene, as opposed, you know, so that it's like, oh, what does he think about that? And I got to have a nice little reaction shot, which is great. Um, so I and I remember looking forward to those those scenes, and they were. And, you know, and, and kind of like you said, it holds up. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I really was. I thought there was something, something uh, very honest and 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 poignant. I mean, about our, our relationship, the double standard, which was great. You know, the you dealt, you did very expertly when you think about Steve's relationship to the woman, and Dylan and her, and and you know, and and then then my just implicitly trusting Brandon and not trusting Brenda, you know, that was that was woven in, I thought, really extremely well, particularly for, you know, when you think about it back then. Yep, that was James talking a little bit about uh, a lot more than just the double standard, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and she says to him, Brenda says, God, with Brandon, all you cared about was did he have protection and me, you like, you know, you're ready to lock me in the closet or whatever. And, yeah. and uh, you know, that was a, a hearkening back to Brandon's first time when they, they really kind of let it go and nobody paid attention to the show at that point. So there was no playground talk about, about that particular episode, which we we chuckle about now. Well, yeah, and, and, yeah, and I mean, Fox was a little boys' network. That's what it was, young boys. That's what they were going for. And, and the all Simpsons, the right? And mm-hmm. that married, and married with children, married children and everything mm-hmm. else around it. it. And in that year, it was Parker Lewis. It was all this kind of uh, almost Beavis and Butthead precursor humor. And here we were with the girls' show with Aaron Spelling. So we were never. The, the double standard was implicit in everything we did. Of course, it erupted by the end of the season, but at this point, it it was it was still there, and they were still um, uh, not wanting to acknowledge. But but this was a this episode big step in having them acknowledge teenage sexuality, and and uh, we were awarded for it um, by organizations, uh, by one of them being the uh, Academy, but other ones. Uh, recognize that we uh, did make some some headway how did cindy feel was she like get it brenda or was because <laughs> she's she acquiesces to her husband a lot at least in this episode sure in this episode though she does she says i like dylan you know she's like has her own opinion of it and and jim Harris was saying well that started uh, carol potter uh on her years-long crush of of luke <laughs> <laughs> At this point, too, given that they were outsiders and they were here, are they going to make it to this? Carol was kind of the bastion in those early episodes of it's too hot in California. I want to go home. She yeah. she she kind of it was, was more Midwest know, feeling, you know, she felt yeah. more Midwest in this. But you got the feeling. I mean, she goes she goes to have a chat with with Brenda about, you know, like you can get close to a person. It doesn't have to be about sex. She's like us to sign the sex ed form. And that scene, actually, the tone wasn't what I would have, I would have, I had thought in my head it would be faster and it got a little, I won't say maudlin. It just it had a slower tempo to it, which it was more, it was depicting Carol's, you know, sort of nostalgia and where's her baby. And you know, she knew like what she was saying. It was only 
only going to work for a minute, even if it did work and everything. She's like, it doesn't have to be about sex and friends. Because, you know, mom, I think it has something to do with it, you know. And um, so she was like trying, but not trying that hard to say, like, don't you do this, which, you know, you have to like that. It's she, she's just trying to suggest she's not trying. Because if you say don't, then, of course, they want to. So. Lori said, loves when, uh, Karen Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and Brian said, Chuck is an, excital- an encyclopedia of knowledge. Great and amazing knowledge. So there you go. Two, you. Nice, two nice comments. Um, I was going to ask about the scene where Dylan, we don't usually see Dylan yell or, you know, be, you know, through this through the show, right? He's pretty soft-spoken and he handles everything pretty cool, but there is this moment, and you wrote that line that's on Chuck's shirt that he mentioned. Uh, (laughs) You know, he always gets to me. Uh, What do you think about seeing that scene back, and do you remember writing that line? Because it's a pretty significant one. Yes, I certainly do. I mean, I that is a reflection of my own memory of, you know, adolescent angst, you know, who could bother you more than your parents? You know, who could who could make you erupt more? I mean, I remember a lot of friends with very strict parents and there was a lot of turmoil about that, you know, in a time of, you know, I was 15, let's say 1970. So there was a lot of you know, dress code, no dress code, this, that, you know, stuff was happening. And, um, and I, you know, it just seemed to me like that had to be it. Why had he been living in a hotel from the beginning? You know, I mean, that was a wonderful, it was a wonderful plot point and, uh, and cool, but why, you know, why was he kind of on his own? And I just thought of people that I knew and their relationships with their, you know, parents. And that was, that was the, this, their absence or over dominance, one of the two, was affected them so much in in, in high school. I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to make this point when we get to talking about slumber party in a different way. But why it's such an effective line? It wasn't just he gets to me; he always gets to me, and it's the repetition yes. used for drama purpose like that um, catches you off, you know, catches you off guard. So it, it, it and can sink. And, and we get to the next group, Darren Starr also used repetition, but he used it for comedy. So but you know, that. that line, he gets, he just gets to me, always gets to me. That line was quoted back to me by some fans. Uh, and, and I know we're oh, going to talk to Yeah, it was quoted back <laughs> to me. Like when I said, they, I'd say, well, I used to write for the show. And they would say, oh, anything, what did you write? And I said, well, like Brendan Downs first. <gasps> And they would, he gets to me. And they would recite that line back to me. And I was just like amazed. And that's what made me start to realize that there were fans who watched the episodes multiple times, not just once or twice. They, they watched them over and over so that they could memorize and learn all the trivia. And that was kind of an eye opener for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm curious, uh, who puts Dylan in the Porsche? The, the Porsche becomes iconic with him, right? I mean, is that, is that you know, who wrote this classic, amazing car? That was in the writer's room starting out. You know, we already had a Corvette that ate a Ferrari. Right. So we needed something. And uh, a Porsche is much cooler than a Corvette. So and it was a classic one. You know who had this car, Karen, was George Ziegler. But I mean, it must have been the picture car for his first, his first Abbott, you know, for his first, uh, wasn't he in the car? Yeah. yeah. In the, I'm the, saying the, the car at the end of the day. 
<laughs> That's a good question. Um, okay, so uh, hey, what I was asked, the question? I'm sorry, Jessica. Who took home the car at the end? She said. <laughs> oh, oh! With our teamsters, you'll never know. You know, I saw this interesting story. I don't know. Someone probably knows that that the per, that someone did have the car and they had to auction it recently. Yeah. So uh, I don't know whatever happened with that. That was pre-COVID. I was obsessed with it. The story. <laughs> Please don't ruin Dylan's car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, we asked James yeah. also about working with Shannon and uh, on this episode because I think she's absolutely phenomenal on this. Right, Chuck? We love Shannon here at the show. Here is what he had to say. I remember. I always remember. You know, working with Shannon is always is great. I, you know, I don't know. I felt actually kind of relieved. I, I was worried about watching it, but. Um, I felt like you know there was there's real honest honest chemistry and and um you know uh uh there's a there, you feel i think you you feel a lot of there's a lot of empathy and a lot of that it's generated i don't know what that means but it, it, it you know there i i was i was really pleased with that um and uh just what the episode's about is 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 great um, and then I real one real quick one more clip here. Uh, him talking about the scene at the kitchen table, which I really really enjoyed. I also love the scene uh, at the kitchen table where uh, where Jim Walsh you know gets into it with uh, Brenda. I don't want you to see this person. You know he's very strict on, on and and I think he I think the character sort of loosens over over the the series uh do you have memories of the, the kitchen table thing i think that's also something we don't see too much anymore the kitchen table the family dynamic right well uh, i like the i like particularly brenda goes jump in any time brandon and it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, where uh, are you <laughs> uh, 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 the twin you know yeah i mean <clears throat> actually that was a really good episode for jason in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. he had to react he had to react he had to listen he wasn't the driving force you know right and you saw him be affected and it was it was really good yeah i do love peter i love that that scene at the table uh, at the kitchen table and um you know and i also don't think that you know i you guys i never felt like i mean you also you cast a real uh a softy mushy person so that was smart <laughs> you know i could be a hard ass and i can't can't i my kids like yeah dad really Really? Yeah, right, right. I'm like, oh, fine. Um, you know, so, no, but, you know, because from the actor's point of view, of course, I mean, I, I'm looking at the paper. I know what a sleaze bag his, bag his father is. Yeah, so it's some really good stuff with James that we that we were able to cover. Um, uh, I want to start talking about Summer Party, but I'm curious. But before for we do, yeah, before yeah. we do, we did get this nice we haven't broken it yet. This is from the Nancy Susan Reynolds. This is what we got. Or isn't it romantic? <laughs> the Nancy Susan Reynolds Award from the Center for Population. See, there's some color in it, too. It's, it's very nice. Very nice. <laughs> and this could be yours. We're going to auction it off right now. Dude. <laughs> uh, we'll do that on the special. We'll auction something off. Right there. Um, the Definitely. Okay, Lily's okay. back. Lily, do you have any questions about um, this episode in particular? I do. Um, we've received several of them. 
So I'll start with one from our friend Lori Ebersol. Um, she says that in Incident Romantic, we see the start of Jim's disapproval of Dylan and Brenda. Was this done with the intention of a long-term struggle Jim would have with them? Or is that something that was just worked into the storylines as needed? Good question, Lori. Well, we weren't a serialized show yet. So we, we weren't thinking in that those kind of terms, but certainly the conflict was there. You know, if you think about it, you, you okay, here, go. Cool. Oh, and, but the thing is, you know, so again, the trope of dad doesn't want the daughter going out with the fast guy. Okay, that's, we've seen, you know, before. So now we have to justify why. Is it just because he's a guy? It's just any old guy. So this added, like, I mean, it was laid on top of it, but it, it did make give it some rationality to his criticism. In other words, uh, imagine that you have a imagine that you have a map. You just put a pin. We can do something with this. I was remarking to Karen because we both took a second look at this today, and um, the 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 idea we got Scott's mother, you know, planted here without seeing her, of course. But because she wouldn't let Scott go to the assembly, we knew, oh, we have a very conservative back here. And we certainly use that as well with, um, you know, later on with, with Donna's mother. But, but, but we by the way, that was a very um, important cultural thing, which was that you had to get parents permission yep. to teach them about about. Uh, contraception including a condom you had to have permission kind of thing and and it was uh, you know so that was illustrated just by that sort of comedic line but um you know it was a real thing it was preventing kids from getting important information in that era i also think what just to the the original question when you look back and in hindsight after you've seen the entire series and you think about who were the boyfriends that jim walsh did approve of like he loved Rick, you know, he was like great balls of firing it up with him, you know, years later after after France and everything. And then you're like, dude, you did not take the right horse. Like Dylan was way better. Yeah. <laughs> In so many ways. Uh, <laughs> Lily, what, what do you got? Uh, so Gia, Gia Halleck wants to know, how did you guys actually come up with the idea of Brenda and Dylan getting together, especially in that scene where he almost throws a pot at her, she gets scared, he chases her, hugs her, and then they share that passionate first kiss? That was just divine inspiration uh, on my part, that, that part of it. Uh, but, uh, but I think we already discussed how we, how we came up with yeah. the, you know, the date, you know, the date and everything. I just, we didn't realize, I think at the beginning, how, what great chemistry, A, they were going to have, and how great Shannon, you know, you, you just totally believed her in that position of really wanting to love this guy, but not knowing if she's ready for all this stuff. And in the end, she's, she actually says, I want to slow down. I want to be sure, and da da da, da and what do you want me to do? You want me to, and ask her right out. The last scene is one I'm, I'm very proud of. He asked her, he, he, she asks him, has he ever been with anybody unprotected. Not lately, he says, but she goes, yeah, but ever. And that's what she just learned in the assembly. That's the only way you could be safe is to be with somebody who wasn't exposed ever or yeah. had a test, et cetera. So, so he says, you want me to get tested? She says, I don't, I, uh, we do that for me. And she's like, he says, I guess I'd be doing it for me. You know, really important things I think to be said, you know, um, 
for that age. And I wonder, you know, when we had that line, I was thinking, well, would today would we say, well, I think I'm doing it for both of us. We didn't, right. you know, we didn't, uh, but that would have implied they were even closer. Me was still mm -hmm. separate from the. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, they weren't, they weren't <laughs> that united right yet, actually. But I know you guys are not serialized, but you have to be thinking about them, uh, you know, the first time, right? There will be a time when we see Dylan and Brenda, and, you know, we talked about that previously in another episode, where they will explore that. So are you laying the seeds for that or not really? Well, we did Palm Springs weekend about five episodes later, and they were supposed to get it on there. It just didn't happen. Right. Of, uh, circumstance. So, yes, it was on their minds. Definitely. Absolutely. Super fan question. I'm sure, I mean, obviously, Karen, when you wrote this, it had been discussed in the writers and these are going to be together and everything. Was there a moment in the first, you know, previously where you saw Shannon and Luke together in the scene, whether or not, in, or even just as part of the scene where you thought, okay, these two, there's something there. There's a spark between them. We need to write to that. I can't say that I did, actually. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Let's move. But, to but they party. certainly. One, one more. Okay, one more for isn't. Okay. So I know we kind of touched on Dirty Dancing, but Alicia Bogner wants to know specifically the story behind getting the music. Who was who was responsible for getting it, and how were you able to get the music for the show? We had a television shows have music supervisors, and the music supervisor approached both the record company and the people who write the song. And um, they will pay them a rate that was very small, that was very almost marginal. And one of the reasons it was so uh, easy to get the music is because the stupid music uh, supervisor only got it for that one, two plays, <laughs> not five years or perpetuity. And the reason that the music is stripped now is because of stupid decisions like that. Which we'll be talking about on our October 4th <laughs> yeah. three-hour special. You believe me, we will be doing it. All right, Slumber Party. All right, uh, how did you guys uh, come up with the concept of having the girls have a slumber party? And I think that you did a great job also of like playing with the fact, like why at this age would they be having a slumber party? You know, but I, but she's, but you know, Brenda's from Minnesota. They still have slumber parties at their, at their age in Minnesota. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, seeing that scene of them dance to Moni Moni, we were just talking about music. I remember that how upset Darren was that our uh, post-production person, Ken Miller actually had to apologize to him because it was the wrong Moni Moni. That's the old oldies, which was cheaper, but I believe there was a updated hit of 9091, like someone like, I don't know, Kid Rock. Billy Idol. I don't know, Billy, Billy Idol. Yeah. Billy Idol, there you go. And, um, and that's the one he wanted. And uh, there was a miscommunication on that. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, we, we imagine that these, you know, that there's that confusion where they juniors and seniors. Imagine they're in 10th grade. And so, uh, not in 11th, you know, juniors. They, you know, no way they had to do it twice. So if they're in 10th grade and it's Midwestern, and Darren did, you know, he would put stuff like that. He would put his dialogue to make sometimes the characters sound younger. 
And 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 I want to also just bring up as we're talking Darren and praising the repetition that he had um, when he said it, it, it's a, it's a slumber party, Brand. No, it's just people getting it. It's a slumber party. You know, he kept using yes. the same bit repetitious humor and the same thing. There was one line he wrote. Other one that was, um, you know, she was wearing she's wearing those one of those tops that isn't a bra but looks like a bra but is a bra. You know, again, the repetition of the language just sounds so realistic and authentic, and uh, and delivered in this episode uh, so well. Um, this is the episode that I wish my favorite episode will always be commencement because it completely wraps up high school and I got to do it with Karen. But uh, this is the one I wish I could have written. And I couldn't have because it really has Darren's unique stamp to it. Boy, is Amanda Pacer mean. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's on diet pills. That's right. Really. She's, she's, she's hungry. She's she been hungry. Exactly. She's hangry. Yeah. She's hangry. She's hangry. <laughs> exactly. And for whoever fan says, why didn't you get Amanda Pacer for this episode? I can't find her. So if yeah. anybody can help me find Amanda Aww. Pacer. Uh, Michelle um, Abrams. Michelle Abrams, help me, please. Thank you. Um, but I love this episode. And, um, you know, there's the other thing that happens in this episode with uh, with Ian's character, with Steve and Brandon, uh, you know, going after the girls who's Julie McCullough from, from Growing Pains, actually. A mm -hmm. um, couple of things here, Chuck. Julie McCullough, how important was she to this for you? And That's funny. You say Julie McCullough from Growing Pains. I think it's Julie McCullough from Playboy. Well, I do know her from that as well. Okay. <laughs> so we were really excited. We were getting Julie McCullough from Playboy. Uh, but, it, it, you know, we it was interesting because um, we, we were kind of surprised to, to you know, anytime a, 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 a guest star from a better agency would come in, we or, or no, we were really surprised because we wouldn't see so much of that. I remember us really liking that. And in terms of that plot, I mean, Darren did an amazing thing. I We talked about in Isn't It Romantic, how I think Karen gave um, the character of Dylan a forum to really cement Luke into the fabric of the show. Well, I am too was on a limited series deal at that point because they were trying to, I think I brought this up, we were trying to save money. And he gave Ian a part. And when I go back to it, when I think of this episode, I being the guy, I go to the car story. And the the scenes with Ian and, and Jason after the car is stolen in that parking lot are, I think, Ian was part of, there was no question about it. Ian, never bring the conversation up again. You know, these are womb to tomb friends. And uh and so that moment, and then we were talking today, Karen, about in the in the girl, the other in the party, what what comes out. That's um, you know, but mm. this was also the coming out party of Donna Martin, in some ways. And, and yes, she's and the Donna Martin is of, funny. Yeah, very funny. Yes. And and that was something that I that I remember, like you didn't totally know who is she, what is her role in this group, and she has like a good deadpan. She's she was good in it. So yeah, I think both, so. In these episodes, you have three actors who cemented their roles in the series in these two quality episodes. That's not the prime focus of it, but it's what's going on. I thought it's well, because the other one you're talking about is Jenny. I mean, when Jenny tells the story about what happened to her, the date rape, 
it's a it's a break it's another breakout moment. Yeah. Well, she was great. Yeah, that was yeah. beautiful. When you yeah, look back on that, Karen, what do you think of that scene in that and that uh, in that story that uh, Kelly talks about in the? Uh... Well, that was, you know, there was a little bit of 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 a, a setup in that you doing the skeletons in the closet game, you know, kind of a truth or dare kind of a game, and when especially when Amanda knew what she was asking and. Um, uh, you know, I it, I thought Jenny's performance was I thought everyone's performance, all of the girls, was right on in, in what and how they delivered it. And um, and yeah, Darren did a great job. I think I think the folklore is, and I think it's true that he wrote it like over three days. You know, he just sat down and wrote it. Um, Darren wrote everything. Yeah, well, it Darren, just where did get the script? Well, it's three just. Days. You know, it just poured out of it. It was like it's like it's like almost like he had been to a slumber party, or maybe you know he's a twin, so maybe his sister had some, and he you know got to spy. But he, but you know he 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 was showing. I love the Ouija board, et cetera, et cetera, which was cute, uh, reminiscent of the young. But yeah, Jenny's performance a a plus right there when she's when she's telling it tearfully without, but without histrionics at all. You know, calmly and just. And just saying what happened, and and it is a um, she does retell that story to Andrea later on to sort of remind her, you know, later on when they have another bonding moment when when Andrea was feeling very bad about um, being a virgin later on in, a, in the episode, everybody's talking about it, which was all about everybody talking about sex, um, and she says, "Yeah, I." I threw my, you know, I threw myself at somebody, at some guy, and he left me in the bushes. And this, and then after that, I spent the next couple of years trying to live up to my reputation. And now I've changed, but who knows that about me that I've changed, you know? And so that, you know, it came back later, and it was, it, it, but that was the the first little blip of it. And again, a, a date rape and mm. like a gentle art of listening, or you know, just not knowing what you're getting into. And that's why Jim's line in, in the other one, in the, um, in the Brenda Dillon one, where he says, it's different with girls. You got to know what you're getting into. You know, Chuck was saying, Oh, I don't think we would say that now it's different with girls. And I think, yeah, I think we might say that because that is a point of view. And, and, you know, you have a lot, you have that pregnancy issue, et cetera. You know, the girls do have to know who they're getting involved with and what they're doing. Um, to a great degree. And so I, I do think that idea would still be held. But uh, but I love that the girls bonded in that episode, that it was such a bonding between at least the four main characters. And then they were magnanimous enough when the other one, you know, sort of admitted her, her skeleton in the closet to say, all right, you're going to be honest with us, then we accept you, you know, yeah. and we understand why you're, you're hangry and we, <laughs> and we're in sisterhood, you know, so I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I was there anything nothing to do with that episode. I can't take any credit for it. Truthfully. But don't you love, as an as old timers, don't you love that the episode ends? Good night, John Boy. Yes. I think that's probably lost on younger fans, but yes. I, that's what I'm saying, you know. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, Matthew says that was the, the moment that uh, that was that was the Kelly Taylor has arrived moment. Our friend Kristen Mack says just Jessica Jenny Garth was so beautiful and talented. 
and somebody there's just a lot of beautiful uh comments here about uh jenny here um jessica what about for you when you were watching that i mean for yes i agree with everything i think jenny is is exceptional in that niche show and at that point it was like again like kelly taylor she is does she have that vulnerability and i always thought that was the most evil thing that amanda did was she called this out as Jen, you know that this wasn't her first time as if this was you know as if this was worthy of being called you know anything other than date rape like she was yeah. just saying that this was you know a first time and i i always hated amanda so so much for that I was curious if there was ever talk of keeping her on the show as a villain. Amanda, I'm curious about that too. Yes. The show that had no money? They were trying to tickle. I did notice one inconsistency. Funny that you said that. <laughs> but yeah, no, they didn't have money. Otherwise, that would have been a great idea because we our, our snobby bad girls, mean girls, turned out to be very nice girls. Well, you know? where, this was where we started to realize let's make the, the whole process with Kelly, let's make it one of rehabilitation and, yeah, and exactly. broadening her outlook and not just be the stereotypical mean girl. I didn't want, I mean, mean girl was one thing. I didn't want bad, you know, that good or bad. I didn't want well, it that if you had sex, you were bad. And if you uh, were, you know, I, I, I no, wanted no, to avoid no, no. that. I it, wanted wasn't, to... it wasn't about sex. It was how you treated others, how snobby right. you were going to be. And, right. and, yeah. and she, right. she was snobby in the beginning. And maybe Donna was too, but we don't really see her being that snobby. But that was, that would have been a natural foil, you know, for Brenda. But instead, if they're going to be best friends, obviously. And it came out from Jenny Garth being a basically nice person who was not a mean girl at all underneath she was a she was a sweetheart so so for her it was you know you start to play to the actual character um of the of the actors uh definitely but i did the one thing i was going to say there was one inconsistency um and darren probably doesn't even remember this but i noticed when they start to play that game andrea says to um was it to Jenny or no, to who? What was your first sexual experience, right? And then later when she's asked about, has she ever been with a guy? She says, well, that's really a personal question. But like, why did she ask? Mm -hmm. I don't know that yeah. she would have been the character to have asked that initial question, you know? Right. And um, then Andrea does reveal her, you know, her love for Brandon in Brandon, this. Movie. Right, she has to cop to it, yeah. And they also well, yes, reveals everybody knows. <laughs> Poor right, she reveals what everybody knew from the first time they right. looked at each, she looked at him in the pilot. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, hard. That moment is just heartbreaking for me. I was just like, I'm like, I feel you, girl, with the hair. Like I would just I, I felt I felt that pain of when like Everyone knows you're crushing on that guy. Yeah. And who wouldn't? Who, wouldn't we all? Let's just face it. Wouldn't we all? He was so <laughs> such a good guy. Um, there's also this like little, I don't know, Goonies. That's not the right word. Uh, like Animal oh. House kind of thing with uh, with uh, David and uh, Scott. You know, was that to appease what you called the boys, the, the boys network, Chuck? Yeah. Isn't it hysterically funny? I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is young boy, and this one I thought was really good because you know it, Darren did it again. He, if you remember, one of the reasons that I, I it's really, you know, 
perfect mom is not one that's like, yeah, let's let's critique this one now because they, they, we the the joke of the the um, like Porky's really goes far in that one where this is just yeah, aren't they pretty and here we are and we're leaving you know it was it was much more benign yeah and uh, in this one. I think it's because you had them and you had to use them, I think, basically, because that was a very brief, brief, you know, aspect. Right, right. But also they want, yes, it's the humor. It, it would be like the comedy runner, the the two beat C story, whatever you would call it. We, we got them in. You're exactly right. Kim. Um, at, okay. at what point did you realize that 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 it was just going to be David Silver after a while without Scott? Spoiler alert. <laughs> officially at the end of the first season yeah we had brian on there and he talked a little bit about that too about realizing that there would be a shift at some point and i think um it's, that was that was a, a a tough choice for you guys right i guess at that point you know you knew that the show didn't have a lot of money and a decision had to be made right yeah, well, it's hard. It's hard to do that to an actor, but um, but you know, we did luck out. We got to use his departure to do a great episode on the gun violence, and and that was you know he he gave he gave his he gave his part for us all, you know. But you know, the funny thing is, last summer we we re-saw Doug after not seeing him literally for thirty years, and he's a wonderful guy, and he's got a beautiful daughter, and he was in the in the armed forces and he had a whole other life after acting so and remember, and remember his mother so fondly in fact during the AIDS episode in fact she came on the set his actual mother you mean yeah his real mother yeah and it was um she was really a kind lady i remember and he turned out to be a very nice man who had a good life so we felt better but yeah you don't want to fire an actor if you could help well, it I well i think doug will join us here on the show one time at some point i've been talking to him a little bit and he you know he's okay. gonna come, he's gonna come on up at some point. So oh, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. Lily, uh, what do you got in terms of fan questions about this episode? So I'll start with one that came up quite a bit. A few of our girls, uh, Zara, Alicia, and Val, wanted to know more, a little bit more about Donna's story. Um, for example, why wasn't her story a little bit more powerful? Was her character still being developed at this point? And everything seemed pretty normal for her at that time. Um, was this one of the reasons to later have her mother get involved in an affair? Uh, the last question is no. And one had no absolutely nothing to do with the other. She was comic relief. And that's, and she was there. And, you know, what, what was saying, I think you just said, you know, you weren't quite sure who she was and what her background was. And she finally, mostly before she just look judgmental and, you know, give those kind of, you know, Beverly Hills kind of looks. And now you got to know her for the first time. And she's, she's, you know, incredibly sweet and, uh, and not a rocket scientist like Andrea and, uh, and, and just, an, you know, and, and something you need a starting point. So what we got out of this was that here's a woman with a, with a sense of humor and could play comedy. And that's a valuable, uh, valuable commodity. In Hollywood. It, yeah, absolutely. What else you got there? Uh, uh, so Lori asked a kind of a funny question. Uh, were any of the girls having issues using the Ouija board? Was, was anyone afraid? Some people are. <laughs> I don't think what so. What spirits was... were conjured? That's what we want to know. What spirits <laughs> were conjured during that scene? Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. I just, it just was, a, it was a prop. 
Yeah. It was a problem. Uh, Val Marin brings up the fact that, uh, and she wants to know, did anyone, such as the casting directors, ever realize the girls that Brandon and Steve pick up look exactly like Brenda and Kelly? <laughs> Um, yeah, it was it was realized we wanted a brunette and a blonde, and uh, but you know even though everybody knew I was very partial to redheads. <laughs> and about the uh, ice cream and popcorn for Donna, how did you feel about that? And how did you guys come up with that one? <laughs> Again, not me. <laughs> I don't know. Darren. That would have been Darren. No. That would have been. I don't it know. Must, it must be a a really a sought after uh, snack in Maryland. I, I, I've never heard, heard about it. Yeah, no, I've heard raisins in popcorn, like raisinettes. In well, we popcorn. like that. We learned that. That's, that's not bad. Part. It's not bad. But ice cream, I don't know. But, you know, Walsh, the Walsh is eating ice cream. That was a Darren Starr um, trait that I think his family had done that possibly. But whenever there was something to be talked out or gotten over, they needed ice cream. So, but I don't know. I don't know where the popcorn is. <laughs> Shout, shout out to Jen Leonard Benson here, who was the one who helped connect me with uh, Doug. Thank you, Jen. Yay, thank yeah. you, Jen. I want to say one thing to Jen, too, because I know Jen is the one who loves locations, right? Yes. No, Melanie. Melanie does locations. Melanie. Jen was so, the one that uh, went with you uh, to on all the location trip. Well, with Melanie and with, with, with Jen and Lily, too, the, where, that, the club was our where, one of our warehouses, oh, main yes. warehouse. And we would shoot that a lot, but that's where we, we shot it. They put and, the neon uh, up above. And, the and they put some, yeah, they put neon and put the um, a few other things, the, the art department. But uh, that's where we, we didn't have to go very far to find a club because we never got inside it. So it didn't matter. I guess it's exciting. Uh, Melanie Rose is running a virtual hunt. Uh, a 90210 virtual hunt in celebration of the anniversary. This is a shout out. And Chuck and I are going to go see some locations for her. So uh, we're we're really looking forward to that. Uh, I'll let you guys find Melanie and find out how to find that virtual hunt. Jessica, what you got? I have a question um, for Chuck and Karen about what you thought of Brenda's backstory. Because I remember it didn't sit that great with me that she here she had this really good friend and she intentionally broke her up with her boyfriend and it just uh, to me sometimes you can admit something as like a teenager and you're like oh i was such a jerk whatever that was harsh and that was really brutal and i felt that as a viewer at like my i felt myself starting to turn on brenda yeah. at times because i thought that was so mean to break up like so unsisterly and so mean to break up your best friend's relationship because you wanted the attention. Right. We did a whole episode here, by the way, of the debate with uh, the, the triangle. And yeah, I could have used that. I could have used that one. Watch the episode, I was true. like, why didn't anyone bring this up? She well, already they do did it in the groups. They do it in the groups all the time. So, oh, really? <laughs> you, know, you know, remember, Jessica, a little bit later, um, Kelly admits that she sort of made a play for Dylan, kind yeah. of, which, uh, which I kind of forgot that moment, <laughs> you know, because we were talking about the season three uh yeah switch over um but you see brenda admits this knowing that it's uh, she was wrong so she admits it and sort of wants to be 
the other people to sort of understand and share that feeling. But then when her friend says she did it and it affects her, she turns on her so mad, right? So I think that was the point, uh, actually. It was to juxtapose those two things. Like when you're the when you're the stealer, you don't feel it quite as bad as the, the stealee, I guess, is the one, <laughs> or whoever, however that is. So uh, you're right. I think you're absolutely right. It was kind of like that. But that is the crux of the entire debate and why people hate Kelly and Dylan together. Um, <laughs> The other side uh, in this thing is uh, I just I just I just totally blanked, guys. I'm sorry. Kelly <laughs> I'm shared this with me uh, that the, the what the website is bh nine zero two one zero tours dot com and nine zero two one zero hunts. That threw me off. Lily, do you have any more questions about? I have two more. Um, so this is another coincidence or. Um, connection um kelly and um, kelly confronts amanda about the diet pills and then later in season three kelly takes them coincidence or is there a connection um i mean much later in season three yeah and her 18th no, birthday yeah no uh really not a connection really, okay. really not that was that was um it, for two different staffs and at that point it was really more uh reaction of, you know, the uh, being the model and most beautiful and what that meant. And that was always a big issue for Kelly ever since Perfect Mom, which was episode number six. So I remember what I was going to say, Amanda, when Amanda challenges Brenda, boy, don't go down that road because Brenda, <laughs> Brenda fires right back. You know, I was like, this is, this is a battle of wills. I don't know who's going <laughs> to... I don't know who's going to win this one. Uh, what was your last question? Okay, so this one is for Chuck um, from Chase Ferrier. He's almost got the same last name as Pete. Um, yes. Chase wants to know, for Chuck, how influential do you think these two episodes were, if at all, to the survival of the show past season one? Oh, that's a really good question, Chase. Uh, uh, instrumental. Instrumental. As I said, I tried to set it up when we were first talking about it. You know, there was the first six a transitional one and and the rebellion and we were responsible for rep episodes eight nine and uh ten and darren was responsible for episodes 11 and 12 the one where they jump out of the plane and this and it really so we had to keep up our end of the bargain karen and me really i was the one and i had you know wonderful karen to help me hope not on this, on this one and then the subsequent one be yob which is um uh, Merits a whole other discussion. For when so when uh, yeah. you say the titles and you expect everybody to know, BYOB <laughs> when Brandon drank and got and Jessica, 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 what's BYOB? We do, we is that the one with Brandon in the car? You two know, but not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember them sometimes. All right, this was a fun one tonight, guys. I love. I mean, these two are iconic episodes, and thank you, Karen and Chuck for uh, sharing some insights about all of this. And Jessica, it is so awesome to have you here. Please come back again. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm deeply honored. I am in awe of you all. Oh, gosh. I just want to say, can I just say, Peter, I just want to say thank you to all these fans giving us all these nice compliments. It's very, very gratifying, and I, I appreciate your your appreciation. I appreciate your appreciation. 
That's what I really want to say. So thank you. You received a lot of happy birthday wishes tonight as well, Karen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to share in uh, Karen's birthday, you can get that t-shirt at our Beverly Hills 90210showshop.com with all the awesome things that she came up with. Chuck and tote bag. And tote bags. And, 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 and we you know, make nothing our, from that. We our make friend nothing. Connie Ziegler posted a picture of herself in an apron. Uh, oh, you know, with the with the egg. It was very cool. Yeah. Do you have that handy? Uh, I don't have that handy. Sorry. Oh. Uh, but listen, uh, October 4th, 2020, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we are doing a very special event. Um, Chuck and I are working hard. Chuck's on the phone. He's, 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 you know, it's like a telethon. <laughs> the phone's getting people to uh, to come on board, and we've heard from a few other people as well. So we think it's going to be a really fun day for everybody. Right, so a whole three-hour tour. Exactly. And it's, it's very funny, and um, and it's and it's very. What we're planning, by the way, is also just the fans know is very fan centric. Yes, uh, a lot of fans will actually be with on the on the on the live broadcast. And other ways that fans can participate besides just asking questions to the live panels. Because we're also going to do some pre-recorded bits, uh, yeah. both interviews, people who can't be there. That's uh, right. be, you know, working out of town and other things are just aren't available that day. And so if there are any things that you really want us to cover, uh, make sure that we, we hit upon on this uh, big party that we're having. You be sure to let uh, Lily let and Pete know. know okay? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right, guys. And then uh, Lily and I are back on Friday where we're going into season six and we're covering one wedding and a funeral with Rebecca Gayhart. She's going to join us. And uh, James Whitmore Jr., the director, is going to be there. Oh, and I think there's a rumor and innuendo that there's going to be a pop-in. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. So make sure you tune in Friday. All right. This was great, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. See you all Thank next you. time. Thank, Thank you. you. Nice to meet you, Jessica. Good night. Right. Good night. Good night. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.